Welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, a look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Coming up, we'll have a look at this week's Louisiana Ag News headlines. We'll check out the latest happenings at the state capitol and in Washington, D.C. in our grassroots government segment. We'll hear from one of you as we take you to the fields and pastures of the Bayou State and find out the latest in crop and cattle conditions. And we'll look inside the markets with commentary from experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. All of this and more coming up on this week's podcast. Now, here's the host of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, Kerry Martin. This is episode 35 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. I'm your host, Kerry Martin. Well, one thing dominates our podcast this time, and that is Hurricane Barry. It made landfall right smack dab in the middle of Louisiana, and it brought a lot of rain to several places. Now, it wasn't nearly as bad as we thought it was going to be. Early forecasts were looking pretty dire, but as the storm made landfall and moved in, it didn't cause nearly as much damage as we had thought. However, there are isolated places in Louisiana that caught some of those rain bands, especially after the storm moved through, and we got very big rainfall on a lot of farms in Louisiana. We'll talk to some of those farmers who still have that water on their fields coming up. On Grassroots Government, we'll check in with Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry, Dr. Mike Strain. He toured the state after Barry came through. We'll get his assessment of the damage. We'll go in the field to Iberia Parish, where we'll check in with Ricky Gosselin and check on the damage that Barry caused to his sugarcane crop. We'll check the markets, then wrap things up with Jack Dillard's Voice of the Arklatex. All of that coming up on Episode 35 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Thanks again to everyone who responded last week and left us a review or some comments. I really appreciate that. I'll make that plea again. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever service that you're using to listen to this on, and leave some comments as well. Um, If you like things, uh, let us know. Uh, We really appreciate it and love hearing feedback from every single one of you. Well, let's get this party started. It's episode 35 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, and it all kicks off right now. Here's a look at the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Topping Louisiana Farm News, the effects and aftermath of Hurricane Barry. Louisiana's farm loss assessment and recovery is now underway. Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry Mike Strain toured the state last week and got a first-hand look at the damage. We'll talk directly to the commissioner coming up in our grassroots government segment. Meanwhile, Avery Davidson, the host of the weekly television show This Week in Louisiana Agriculture, hit the road just days after the hurricane hit Louisiana to assess the damage and hear from Louisiana farmers. Avery took his camera and microphone all over the state, and we have the audio from many of the interviews that he did on his trip. Let's start with LSU Ag Center climatologist Jay Grimes. 
He says the wind was definitely an issue, but probably the worst part of this storm was all the water. Well, there's a couple of things going on here. When we talk about the forecast track for Barry, its position, its timing, even the wind field, the forecasts were actually quite good. The failure, especially for most of our farmers, has been the distribution and the timing of the rainfall. And we're all, we all know this. Hurricanes have a lot of moving parts. And trying to get all of the parts right in the forecast is somewhere between difficult and impossible. And in this case, we did great on the winds didn't do so well on the rain. Matter of fact, uh, some of the heaviest rains were after Barry had left town. You know, Barry was gone, but not its impact. So rainfall totals, double digit, a band of rains that extended from Avoyles and northern Point Capee Parish all the way back into Acadiana. Now, the cane, you know, as farmers tell me, the cane can handle the rain. It's the wind that, for cane that's an issue. And fortunately, Barry's windfield, although large, wasn't all that prolonged. The rainfall, though, for the beans and the corn, that can be a disaster. And that's what happened. Barry's up in Arkansas, but the rains come behind the storm as we bring that flow off of the Gulf of Mexico. And anytime you get that much rain in that short of a period, there's just nowhere for it to go. Slow drainage is always a problem when you start talking about 10, 12, 15 inches of rain or more. And yeah, you've got some reports out there that the numbers are even above that 15 inch total, much of that falling in a 12 to 18 hour window. Well, Louisiana is simply too flat to help that drain very quickly. So yes, it just goes from one field to the other until it finally gets into the drainage canals. And even there, it takes a while to get rid of that much water. And although some people did get a lot of rainfall, Grimes says it wasn't nearly as bad as originally expected. As Barry was coming in, the rains actually were below the forecasts. In fact, uh, from uh, Baton Rouge over to Lafayette, we anticipated double-digit rains while the storm was over top of us. Thankfully, those didn't materialize. But as the storm moved to the north, it still had that large-scale circulation that was pulling more Gulf moisture in, and that is what generated the rain band that produced that uh, double-digit swath of totals we saw from uh, parts of, uh, of oils back into Acadiana. Uh, in the bigger scheme of things, it wasn't a bad forecast. It's just that we didn't get all the parts correct. And in this case, uh, a late rain there. The other thing I want to kind of remind people is that July tropical systems are uncommon. In fact, this is only the fourth hurricane to hit Louisiana in July in over 150 years. The big story there is 80% of our landfalls come after August 1st. Don't be thinking that the season's over just because Barry has come and gone. LSU Ag Center climatologist Jay Grimes. With all the sugarcane acreage that we have along the coast of Louisiana, that was one of the crops that was most at risk of damage. However, Jim Seymour, executive director of the American Sugarcane League in Thibodeau, says that Barry didn't do very much damage to the Louisiana cane crop. Well, you know, we, we, had, we did take some water on some small acreages of cane, but uh, here in Louisiana this year we expect to harvest about 450,000 acres. Uh, and uh, so we'll have a few acres here and there that were inundated and, and uh, with some flooding problems. But in general, uh, the cane is in, in good shape considering. 
One of the biggest problems sugarcane growers have in a tropical storm is the wind lodging the cane or knocking it down flat. Simon says we didn't see a lot of lodging in cane with this storm, but the little that we did see should correct itself easily. Cane is a tropical crop, so we need tropical weather to make a tropical crop. And unfortunately, sometimes tropical weather brings uh, some, some damaging stuff for us. But this was really minimal for us. Um, it, uh, the cane's leaning a little bit, but it's not laying down flat. And uh, when cane lays down flat and it has to start riding itself, that causes a little bit more trouble. But just the leaning cane like it is, we, we feel pretty certain that it's going to ride itself. And, and, you know, some areas of the belt actually needed some rain and water. So uh, up in the northern reaches, they got some nice soakings. So uh, all in all, we, we're uh, hopeful that, that this is going to be another good crop for Louisiana. Jim Simon with the American Sugarcane League. Now to hear directly from a farmer. We go to Avoyles Parish, where Avery visited with Philip Lamartinier. Philip says he got 10 to 12 inches on his farm, but other areas of the parish got over 20 inches of rain. Well, for us personally, we, we ended up with about 12 inches of rainfall here, and we're on the uh, more western side of Avoyles Parish. And, of course, 12 inches is a lot of rain to get in a short period of time, but we're very fortunate that our crop, our main crop, of course, is rice. And the rice is uh, advanced enough that the deep water that's in these fields is not having a negative impact. Uh, we've got a lot of areas that are fallow that weren't planted, and, and the water is some of that water is moving out of these fields and going in those fallow areas, which is kind of acting as a sump area. It's giving us some relief, so we weren't directly impacted by the. Uh, the, the rainfall. Uh, we didn't get a lot of wind. The rice is still standing, which is always good. Uh, now, you move to the southeast portion of the parish, different story. Uh, there, they got upwards of 19 inches, some places right at 20 inches of rainfall. Uh, the major crop that's being impacted are the soybeans. I spoke to uh, several producers, uh, Tommy Webb, uh, Bain Farms, uh, Craig Laborde north of Marksville, Tommy Laborde in the Hamburger area, and uh, Keith Lacombe and Simsport, and they're all telling me the same thing. They have a lot of good soybeans that have several feet of water on them. And depending on how, far, how fast that water moves out is going to determine how much damage we're going to see in those, those, those areas. But that's the crop that's seeing the most damage right now. Phillips says it was just a situation where one of the feeder bands from the hurricane set up shop right over of Oils Parish and dumped a lot of rain in a short period of time. Well, it came in so fast, and, and that's the thing. Uh, when, the first, when Barry first came through, like Saturday, uh, we think we had like three and a half inches of rain. We're thinking, well, maybe we're gonna come out, come out of this with, uh, you know, dodge the bullet. But uh, we got one of those feeder bands that came in Sunday night, and that's what really dumped the rain on us. And that's when we came here, and we, you know, of course, we see what we're seeing now. And all of the rainfall just adds to what was already an exceptionally wet year. This has been a, a very, very difficult year. I mean, I'm going back from uh, since in the spring, we've been dealing with water issues, very wet spring, and uh, it's pushed everything back. The crops are late. Uh, we just, it's been a tough year. And you, you put that with uh, low commodity prices, it doesn't paint a good picture at all. Of Oils Parish farmer, Philip Lamartinaire. We'll hear from another Louisiana farmer coming up later in our In the Field segment. We'll talk with Ricky Gosselin. Ricky is a sugarcane farmer from Iberia Parish. All of the wet weather this spring caused the corn crop to be planted at more of a staggered rate instead of all in one short window. That is causing differences in insect pressure this year, not only in corn, but in other crops like cotton. 
Don Molino talked to LSU Ag Center entomologist C. Brown about what he's seeing in corn and cotton fields. Dr. Brown says plant bugs are hiring a lot of cotton crops around Louisiana right now. But we kind of felt like this was going to happen because our corn is at all different stages. And so in normal years or years you know, previous, a lot of times when our corn's all planted within a 7 to 10 day window, it all dries down within a 7 to 10 day window. Well, this year corn is so staggered that you know we have a lot of maturing corn that are just pushing worms out that have already flown, may have laid eggs or found alternative hosts. And we've got some young corn out there that is just now starting to dry down, and it's also going to send out another generation of uh, bollworms potentially into the environment that may start laying eggs. Um, But in years past, a lot of times what we'll have is we'll have one big mass migration out of corn because it all dries down at the same time. And so uh, this year we're not quite seeing that. It doesn't mean guys don't need to be diligent and scout, but uh, we're not seeing the numbers of bollworms that we historically have seen at the same time frame. And what about soybean fields? And soybeans, uh, stink bugs are still an issue from the bottom of the state to the top. Uh, guys in South Louisiana historically fight harder, uh, fight more populations than we than we do in the north. And uh, that really kind of seemed to come to fruition. A lot of guys have made made multiple applications to control stink bugs and soybeans. And uh, North Louisiana guys are starting to really ramp up applications as the beans progress. Not really seeing too many worms in beans yet as far as uh, soybean looper, green clover worm, the defoliators. Uh, although they're coming, normally they don't show up till probably late July, early August. And so we're not quite at that time frame yet. But normally as our, as our winds pick up that blow out of the Caribbean and the, you know, South America, as some of those storms and different things come through, it'll carry moths to us. And so I foresee that happening typically about August. But as of right now, there's uh, a lot of guys are just kind of looking at the damage to see what the hurricane did. And so bugs are not really on the forefront of everybody's mind. They're still definitely there, but a lot of guys are kind of surveying the damage, flooding, lodging, depending on what happened from the hurricane. I'm Don Molino, the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. USDA released its weekly Louisiana Crop Progress and Condition Report this past Monday. These are the first numbers that we're getting after Barry has gone through. So these numbers do reflect any effects that Barry had on Louisiana crop conditions. Overall, it doesn't look like Barry had a very big effect. As we've been talking about all during this segment, we do have some very bad damage from that storm, but it seems to be localized in a very specific area of the state so these numbers of course are statewide averages so we didn't see a whole lot of difference after Barry when it comes to crop condition numbers here's how some of the crop progress numbers shape up corn we're getting very close to harvest 22 percent of the corn crop now maturing 80 percent denting 98 percent in the dough stage rice harvest very near as well in fact we do have some reports of very early rice harvest in southwest Louisiana. That's not in this report, but we have heard of that happening. Right now we have 9% of the rice crop maturing, 78% of the rice crop headed. Soybeans, we have 72% of the bean crop now setting pods, 90% blooming. Here's how some of the crop condition ratings look. For corn, we're looking at 4% excellent, 53% good, 36% fair, and 7% poor. For rice, 8% excellent, 53% good, 32% fair, and 6% poor. For soybeans, 9% of the crop rated excellent, 44% good, 39% fair, 
and 8% poor to very poor. Sugarcane ratings show 6% rated excellent, 53% good, 32% fair, and 9% poor to very poor. That is a look at some of the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture. Don't forget, you can always check out our website. We update it every weekday, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.com. It contains all the happenings in agriculture in our state. While you're there, subscribe to our daily e-newsletter. It's called the Daily Voice. There's a button right there on the homepage at voiceoflouisianaagriculture.com. Click the button, just put your name and email address in, and we'll send that e-newsletter out to your inbox every weekday morning at 5 a.m. Coming up, we check in with Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry, Dr. Mike Strain, to get his take on the damage caused by Hurricane Barry. Grassroots Government is next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. If you're a farmer or rancher, Farm Bureau wants you to join and be a part of their family. I grew up in Louisiana farm country, and I know all the hard work and sacrifice that you put into raising livestock, growing a crop, raising a family, and running a farm. Farm Bureau puts that same hard work and sacrifice into making life better for you and your family, so join today. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. It's time for a look inside the halls of government in this week's edition of Grassroots Government on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Our guest on Grassroots Government is Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry, Dr. Mike Strain. Commissioner, I know that you have spent the last week traveling around the state assessing the damage from Hurricane Barry. Tell me what you've seen in your travels this week. We've seen a swath of land uh, basically from Faraday, Louisiana, all the way down to Lake Charles and a, a fairly wide area. And some areas got as much as 25 inches. And it goes from 25 inches in the center of that, of that come, of that landmark there, to about you know, 10, 12 inches on the outer side. Some areas got 10 or 15 inches in 10 hours. We've been on some farms that have had five and six feet of water. And a lot of also what is happening, where there's been rain, and, it's, and now the rain is trying to get into a river system and eventually get out, you know, into the Atchafalaya or into the Gulf, uh, that is causing flooding. I mean, we were there where they were sandbagging homes. So, you know, a lot of people complained and said, listen, we didn't get the storm that you said was coming. Well, the only reason they didn't get it is because they wasn't in an area where it really had a deluge of rain. It's a very strange storm. But we have a number of parishes that were heavily impacted, and we're getting the assessments together. And so the, the, the USDA working with the Ag Center is getting official numbers and estimates. And we're asking all the farmers, if you have damage, if you have standing water, take photographs of it, contact your FSA office, keep good records, because we're going to get a secretarial declaration of disaster. I've spoken uh, personally with Governor John Bill Edwards, and he said as soon as we get the, the assessment, the damage assessment, and the request, he will sign that, and we will send it on to Secretary Purdue. So we're working very hard on that. What will that mean when we do get the secretarial designation of disaster? Well, what that means is that the farmers will be eligible for low-interest loans, also all the other programs within the Farm Bill. 
come into play. The ELAP program, emergency assistance for livestock and honeybees, the LIP livestock indemnity program, uh, also funding to help rehabilitate the land through NRCS. So everything that's within the Farm Bill disaster provisions will be available in addition to low interest loans. So that's very, very important. And then again, as this progresses, when there is another uh, ad hoc disaster aid bill, we will be asking for some funding to help with this and, and all the other disasters during uh, the year since the last funding bill passed that dealt with the previous disaster. So we're working hard. Right now we're getting information, uh, and I know that in a number of areas they're trying to pump the water off the land and get it out as much as possible. We're also telling everyone, please be cautious. We're expecting a surge of mosquitoes everywhere where there is standing water. And that'll start, you know, in five to seven days. And remember, we're already finding a West Nile virus. We can find West Nile. We also worry about Eastern and Western encephalitis as well. So mosquitoes have to be, you know, really on your mind. And so be careful with that as well. And in the standing water, you know, watch out for snakes, other aquatic wildlife. And when you're driving in those areas, be careful because the uh, landed wildlife, deer, bear, et cetera, uh, are looking for high ground. And so they, you know, they'd be running across the road in front of you. So just remember, if you cannot see the lines on the road, that water's probably too deep to go over. So don't get stranded or, or swept off the road. Commissioner, you mentioned a possible congressional disaster bill, a second one. Of course, we got the first one through here recently. It seems like uh, when that first one did get passed, it was kind of a consensus that another one would definitely be coming later this year. Uh, is that what you're hearing out of Washington, D.C.? Yes, because that one, the, the cutoff date was really before the last disaster that we had. And so when you start looking at what's going on across the country, the way the farm bill is set up, we have to have concurrent uh, disaster bills, you know, after, you know, we have these major storm events. So I expect we're going to have to see a different type of disaster assistance bill passing through the Congress on probably six months to one year intervals from now on. Commissioner, I saw where you, along with the state fire marshal, lifted a statewide burn ban that was in place recently because of the storm. I guess that's one thing that we don't really think of. The last thing that we need with all of these hurricane force winds is a fire burning and spreading somewhere in the state. Well, and that's one of the things that really have helped to cut down on the number of fires. Our wildfires have been markedly reduced. You know, back in 08, we would average 16 1,800 per year. And I think this should get 690. And so these burn bands are very important because you have tropical force winds. And sometimes people, when they're cleaning up and getting ready for a storm, they, they go ahead, they, you know, they'll burn a trash pile. Uh, they don't realize that with this type of wind, it can, it, that fire can get out of hand. And then with that much wind, the fire can actually get up in the top of the trees and run overhead uh, across the land. And so... We've, it's been very effective in cutting down wildfires because, you know, we need to be focusing on the storm event and not fighting wildfires. Some of our have been in the face of a tropical storm or hurricane because you get the tropical storm winds before you get the moisture and the rain. And so, again, uh, that's something that is very important uh, to, to make sure that fire doesn't get away from us. And, Commissioner, lastly, wanted to ask you about where you're at today. You spent the day in Morehouse Parish at a very interesting yes. field day. Tell me about that. Absolutely. We are here, uh, LSU and Southern, and we are uh, on, on a farm here in Bonita, Louisiana. And it's the Morehouse Parish 
Black Farmers Association. It's a field day, and there's a lot of good information, and it's very, very well attended. There were several hundred people here, and, and really talking about new and innovative ways and you know, to you know produce crops. You know, talking about such things as pairing up the soil type to whether or not you have nematode-resistant soybeans and looking at the difference in what the different types of crops can mean. And so the big part about these field days is getting information directly from the researchers uh, into the hands of the farmers in a fashion that they can use by positive, you know, demonstrations. And also, you know, I get to come out and visit with them, of course, but also I'm here to listen, to talk to them. What can we do? What do we need to do? You know, what is working well? What is not working well? And, and, and tell them where I think, you know, the future commodity prices are going and how we're going to continue to work together, you know, to advance, you know, agriculture and rural Louisiana. Where we're at now, you don't get more rural than where we're at here. And as far as the eyes can see, there's nothing but fields, you know, and it's, it's really beautiful today looking at the beans and the corn and the cotton. And so it's really great. But this is the economy in this regional area. And working with our, our small farmers, our, our socially disadvantaged farmers, our minority farmers, we're here also, you know, with the USDA and all the different entities to talk about what opportunities are there so that they can uh, can work with us or work together to advance uh, their agribusiness. Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry, Dr. Mike Strang. Thanks so much, Commissioner. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's time to head down to Iberia Parish and visit with sugarcane farmer Ricky Gosselin. That's In the Field, next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. As the old saying goes, close only counts in horseshoes. So why take the chance with weather information when it comes to critical decisions with your fields? It's time to experience pinpoint field-level forecasts that are 40% more accurate than the competition. Experience the DTN Ag Weather Station. With this level of information, you'll know exactly what's happening at any time in your actual fields. This allows you to plant, spray, and harvest with a new degree of precision. Head to DTN.com today to learn more. We're taking you to the fields of Louisiana as we hear from one of you in the field on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. We go in the field this week to Iberia Parish where Avery Davidson visited with sugarcane farmer Ricky Gosselin. They were looking over one of Ricky's flooded sugarcane fields and here's Ricky's initial assessment of that field. Well, what you're looking at is, is some of the aftermath of storm uh, Hurricane Barry or Tropical Storm Barry. Uh, obviously, Hurricane Barry passed here relatively close to Iberia Parish. And this is some of the aftermath of uh, some of the cane crop. And, and what we look for, the damage, which I'm seeing now, is we do have some damages. You have some, some, some leaves that are split and uh, that uh, need to be repaired. So the plant's going to go into repair mode and start repairing. Therefore, you know, we're going to lose a little growth time out of this. Uh, obviously, we're not close to harvest season. so. Uh, uh, the ultimate effect is yet to be determined, but what we're more concerned about now is getting started to plant the 2020 crop and, um, and getting that cane tall enough that we can put it in the ground. Right here, you'll see a stalk that's broken, and uh, that, that stalk is no more good, no longer good. It'll have to start coming from the, the bottom and making a new stalk, which obviously does not have a lot of time before to make a millable stalk for grinding. So what do I see here? 
I see that there is some potential for damage. How much damage? That's yet to be determined from an economic standpoint from a producer. But obviously some good growing conditions from here on out and no more storms. Uh, this crop can recover to be uh, somewhat of an average crop. There is a lot of potential. We had a good crop going into this storm. Uh, I'd rather see a storm now than later. But uh, all eyes are on the next few weeks of weather. Hot, humid, dry weather will have this crop erect itself and become a millable stalk and we can get to planting in the middle of August. I will say this though, our planting intentions for the first week of August, August have probably been uh, reduced, eliminated to the mid-August term and uh, therefore probably uh, intertwined itself with the start of harvest season. So. Uh, Let's pray for the next couple of days of some good weather, and uh, we'll see with this crop. It's very resilient, so I'm very optimistic on what can happen in the near future. Well, obviously, when, we are, when we're in this kind of business, agriculture, Mother Nature is the ultimate uh, telltale sign of what uh, you can do in agriculture. It plays such a significant role. So as we're watching the weather and determining where Barry was, was going to make landfall, and obviously we don't want to be on the eastern side where most of the damage occurs, and unfortunately, from all indications, it looked like the, you know, we, we just were on the eastern side of Iberia Parish. It skirted right over Iberia Parish between us and St. Mary. And uh, we got an east wind and a west wind, and uh, you're looking at some of the effects of Barry behind us right now. What did it do to your cane? Well, you know, I, I was walking through the cane, I, you know, I see, I see some shredded tops, I see some broken cane, I see some significant damage in some of the areas in the uh, taller cane. Uh, what I think needs to happen now moving forward is some good hot sunshine to repair this crop because uh, when the cane gets damaged, it goes into repair mode and it starts repairing itself and stops growing. So right now we're in the grand growth stage, which is the crucial point in a cane crop to get the maximum amount of growth every year. And right now it's going to go into repair mode, so slow that, that, that process down. Where we're standing right now, we would have been pretty close to some pretty significant water, if not in some water right here, correct? Absolutely. Right now the tide has dropped probably six and a half feet. And uh, we, we didn't have water here, but right in front of me we did. And uh, it has dropped significantly with the tide moving out. We still have plenty of water to uh, get out uh, through pumping and, and whatnot. Obviously, uh, we're not going to get a north wind, so we're going to have to rely on mechanical pumps to pump the water out. That's going to take 78 days, seven or eight days, and, uh, and increase our cost of uh, production and operation uh, in these lower areas of Iberia Parish. And, uh, we need to get it off as fast as we can because uh, the longer we let that water stand on the crop, the more detrimental damage we can have moving forward. You have 3,000 acres of sugarcane with your brother. How many acres were underwater? We're looking at about 1,000 acres underwater uh, that uh, we'll have to get the water off of, which is typical in a big rain event. But what I will say is that uh, looking around, doing some evaluations, the water didn't have minimum salinity in the water. So most of it was some rain water and some tidal influx, but we didn't get a whole lot of salt water infiltration in the crop and that's detrimental to the soil and it'll burn your crop. So uh, I'm blessed to say that we didn't get any salt water because in the previous storm events we got a lot of salt water that came in and it was devastating. But right now I think optimistically uh, the crop can improve itself with some right growing conditions and uh, we'll have a harvestable crop. I was looking at another record crop before this storm but obviously uh, looking for a good average crop now but that's yet to be seen. What do you anticipate happening in the coming weeks? I know you're trying to get the water off, but as we start to move forward with uh, looking at de disaster declaration, do you think we're gonna, you're going to see that much damage here in Iberia Parish, you and your fellow farmers? I, I don't think we'll see enough damage for the disaster declaration for a crop. I think uh, we'll, we'll be fine in that respect. Uh, but what I'd like to see moving forward is that uh, get all the water off the crop, good growing conditions, 
uh, you know, do an analysis of what we have out there and with our consultants and, and see the timetable of the opening of the, the 2020 uh, harvest season and when we can get started planning. We just got to, you know, move our planning dates back. And uh, what's going to be crucial moving forward is that, uh, you know, the timing of the mills opening and us finish planting, good weather conditions so the farmers don't have to duplicate their operations. And uh, that's really, really costly and, uh, and inefficient when we got to duplicate operations. So this has set us back some. But as in the past, you know, this crop is very resilient and these farmers are very resilient and they're going to do what they have to do to make sure their families are taken care of. Just think that, you know, continue sending prayers for the farmers. Uh, we're, we're out here working hard and uh, as a local government official, we've made sure that we, we improve the drainage in Iberia Parish and it looks like it, it works significantly well uh, with this event. We are taking uh, data in and high, res uh, high water marks so that we can prepare for the future in, in these events that we can maybe even get better at what we're doing now. That's Iberia Parish sugarcane farmer Ricky Gosselin. Thanks again to Avery Davidson. He's host of the weekly television show This Week in Louisiana Agriculture. He got out there right after the storm and traveled around the state visiting with farmers and assessing the damage, and he brought us most of the interviews that we have here on the podcast this week. Thanks again, Avery. Coming up next, it's time to check on the markets. We'll look at the grain markets with our friends from the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association, and then we'll visit with Dave Foster of Cattle Producers of Louisiana about the cattle markets. A look at the markets is coming up next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. What comes out of the ground, creates energy, and has been a major contributor to Louisiana's economy for over two centuries? No, it's not oil. It's sugar. Sugar cane, sweet sugar cane. Ever since the Jesuits began cultivating sugar in colonial Louisiana, this sweet crop has had a major impact on our economic well-being. Each year, our sugarcane industry creates an economic boon of nearly $3 billion for the Bayou State. This vital business engine supports fuel and fertilizer distributors, tractor and automotive dealerships, supermarkets, and more than 15,000 Louisiana jobs. The sugar industry also benefits research universities and schools, banks, and insurance agencies. Sugarcane, sweet sugarcane. The Louisiana sugarcane industry, helping empower the people of Louisiana for more than 220 years. Louisiana sugar, making life sweeter, naturally. Now let's look at the markets with insight from the experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Grayson Close is a grain marketing specialist with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Grayson, let's take a look at the markets today. Soybeans moved a little higher, the corn market a little lower. What's going on in those markets right now? Uh, not a whole lot today. It's still just range-bound at this point, not making really any moves. Corn flattening out, really, uh, in the last couple of days, not making any moves. Uh, current uh, conditions ratings went down a point week over week in corn and stayed steady in soybeans, which leads the traders to believe that, that maybe there are still some lingering problems out there that uh, that nobody's picking up on yet. Uh, the USDA is reporting a little bit on it, but obviously not not to the extent that the market would like to see. 
um, other than that, just waiting for some fresh news on trade negotiations, China committing to buy some, but who knows how much and if it actually ships. So we'll wait for some better confirmation for that. And then after uh, watching the weather, we have had some, seen some more flooding in the Midwest in the past few days. Uh, but we do are looking at a cooler and drier forecast after that. So uh, that's not really a big concern to the, at this point either to the market. So just Again, range-bound, not really going to make any kind of big moves as of yet. Well, Grayson, over the past week, we've seen some fairly large swings, and it seems like they were weather-related. Uh, is weather playing a really big role in this market right now? It is. The, the trade can't decide whether rain makes grain or, or not. Um, it's depending on who you talk to, I guess, is what, what kind of answer you're going to get. But, again, uh just going back to the USDA fundamentals, we're not in a bad place. We're not hurting, I should say, for for uh, stocks in either commodity, corn or beans or wheat, for that matter. Uh, and so until we get a big production scare, that's, that's what you're going to see in the market is up one day, down the next. But I don't particularly see it moving out of resistance or floor levels either. Grayson, normally at this time of year, uh, we're getting started on corn harvest. I know we're running behind because of uh, you know the spring planting problems we have. Have you heard of any corn harvest starting yet with any of your customers? Uh, I think a week to 10 days will be the earliest that I know of, and even that will be, be cutting it wet and drying it down in the bins. Uh, and I think that's I – do, I do know of a few soybean producers that are fixing to start as well, but they were actually able to get things in before all the rain set in in the spring. Uh, so to answer your question, corn is is a solid week to 10 days out, and beans could be 7 to 10 days as well. Grayson Close with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Thanks a lot, Grayson. Thank you, Gary. And now to talk about the cattle markets, we check in with Dave Foster, CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. How you doing today, Dave? Everything's good, especially with this change in the weather. Absolutely. Well, let's take a look at these cattle markets, if you will. Anything you've noticed over the last couple of weeks that you want to bring to our listeners? Well, it just seems like now we're 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 getting very close for us in Louisiana. Uh, our our quote quote uh, cattle runs for the fall usually start about the middle of August, and uh, I'm sure that'll that'll happen. And and it's kind of set up to, to, to look like maybe this thing is trying to get just a little bit better. Uh, there was some downturns in the market uh, north of us as, as uh, these feeders kind of pulled back a little bit and in, in their buys only because it was so hot up there. Uh, but, and when I say up there, I'm, I'm talking about uh, Kansas and Nebraska and Iowa and up in, in through there where our cattle go to feed or to, to go on a stocker program. But anyway, so the market last week was here locally. Uh, it, uh, it picked up from the, the July 4th deal a little bit uh, when that was closed, but it didn't, didn't set any kind of real records. And, and then all of a sudden this week, uh, Monday and Tuesday of this week, uh, I saw some prices that looked like they were they were certainly higher and moving higher. And then uh, in the uh, and again those same places that I talked about, uh, it looks like there's some demand for uh, for the cattle. Even these yearlings that took took a uh, kind of a 
a little bit of a break last week, if you will. They were like one to three dollars lower at Oklahoma City and Pratt Livestock and up in Nebraska and those areas because mostly because of the heat. This week they've opened up and and it looks like that they're they're starting to get a little bit uh, stronger with that. So my point to all this is just to say that I think that our our producers are in a pretty good position uh, to see some gains in um, in in their calves, and so uh, I'd really like to recommend uh, that they uh, they they contact their marketing rep, be it the auction barn or or be it their order buyer or the video people. Uh, they really need to to get up with them if they're thinking about moving their cattle uh, from August through September uh, into October. They they need to get a a real good fix on this market and not to be in a real big hurry to do a lot of things because again uh, these numbers are coming out. It looks like that um, with that Catalan feed report, which was neutral. Uh, the other thing, the July cattle inventory came out and basically it showed that everything was about the same uh so and and the other thing was that uh, we've got a lot of a, a lot more heifers on feed i think it was up like eight percent or something like that um, and uh heifer replacements are down on the inventory uh which is all good for us uh going in they're not. We're not saving heifers, if you will, for replacements. So that market may look good for next spring. Uh, we've got some positive things looking at, but we really, really need to not get in a big hurry to do some stuff without checking and making sure that um, you you get all the information you need to again uh, make that sale. So I'm, I'm I'm again I'm I'm really pretty pretty bullish, if you will. Uh, on this market this fall, they'll they'll be the, the packers uh, are are buying the cattle. Uh, the, the feedlots are current. Uh, the feeders will be wanting to uh, to replace uh, those empty pens. Uh, the the ryegrass, ryegrass for here, and uh, certainly the wheat pasture guys. We've got enough moisture that all of that really looks like it's setting up to be a pretty good kind of a deal. So. They're going to start. We're going to see in August. There, there's going to be some backgrounders that are wanting, they're wanting to buy our good Louisiana cattle, our lightweight cattle, as they call them, under 600 pounds, um, and really from 650 down, they're uh, they're looking for those kinds of cattle to put on to a wheat deal. So I think the demand will will certainly pick up. So uh, I encourage, carry uh, all your listeners to. Uh, to do this and be prudent with the fact of, of talking to their marketing rep and don't just show up and say, hey, I need to sell these cattle. Um, make some phone calls, make some contacts, get some input, and uh, it'll just help you making some better, uh, real real better decision-making marketing problems. Dave Foster, he's CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. Thanks a lot, Dave. Hey, you're welcome, Terry. Words of wisdom from longtime farm broadcaster and farm newspaper columnist Jack Dillard is on deck. Jack Dillard's Voice of the Arklatex is next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, 
You must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. So before you do this, or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. Here's Jack Dillard's Voice of the Arklatex. Well, the Arklatex version of summer has arrived. Our goat weeds are growing faster than our pastures. This is Jack Dillard from the Arklatex. Hurricane Barry left northwest Louisiana parishes with a little wind and less than an inch of rain. That kind of worked all right for us. Here at our place, we got the fertilizer out and Got enough rain to melt it down before it came, and everything's ready for that second cutting. The Red River Research Station over in Bossier City, crops are a little late, just a couple of three weeks, but looking tremendous. There's a lot of greenhouse tomato research done over there. Just finished out the spring group. In fact, sold the last bunch of tomatoes this last Monday. Our retail sales were excellent this year. The fall crop at the greenhouse research will be coming off in mid-October and goes on through Thanksgiving time. Farmers markets produce is excellent. The vendors are beginning to wear pretty thin. It's hot. The DeSoto Parish Cattlemen's Association will host an Eaton meeting August the 1st at 6 p.m. at the extension office between Grand Cane and Mansfield. Chuck Griffin is the county agent. The Zotus representative will discuss animal health and vaccinate new cattle. The meal will be served, and they'll eat first. That's the reason it's an Eaton meeting. Army worms, still a major problem. I believe they're going to be Till we get a frost, we check our fields twice a day if we're going to get ahead of them at all. The bees keep having a great year. Our honey production is tremendous, just having trouble this time of the year keeping the bees at home. Our philosophy says, be generous with your stuff. Once you're gone, somebody else is going to get it anyway. This is Jack Miller from the Arklatex. Thanks for listening to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This podcast is produced by Kerry Martin and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. For more information, be sure to check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.org and lafarmbureau.org.